0: Hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Oblivious Maximus podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne, as usual. Um, thanks for listening. This week, my guest is my friend, Beck Riado. Beck um, runs a company with another lovely lady named Emily uh, called Death Proof PR, which is clearly a PR company. And they work with lots of different bands and brands and record labels and cafes and other things and they do a really good job at spreading the word for people into the public eye and um yeah we just had a discussion about you know how beck got into working in the music industry and um how they you know she started doing pr and started death proof and um i thought it'd be kind of a cool conversation to have a different angle Uh, from some of the people that I've had on here so far I've sort of been trying as best as I can um, to sort of spread the love between people who are in bands and then people who work with bands um, in as many respects as I can so it's been cool to get label guys and photographers and um, you know graphic designers and people who make music videos so I'm trying to cover my bases as best I can so I thought it'd be cool to get someone with PR experience on here and That's what Beck does. Um, So yeah, this is a cool little chat. Um, It was my first time recording one of these podcasts um, in the beer garden of a pub. So hopefully it sounds good. I think it sounded okay when we did it last night, but uh, I guess I'll find out once it goes on the internet. Um, But yeah, so excuse me if there's any issues with the audio. I think it should be fine though. At one point, a lady decided to... Totally neglect the fact that there was two people talking into rather large microphones and excuse herself into our conversation and uh, tell us that her dog was going to be off its leash and just walking around a bit. So maybe you'll hear a dog, maybe you'll hear a lady, maybe you'll hear the beers that we're drinking being banged against the table, but, you know, that's what this is about, man, being fucking real. Not really. Anyway, um, <laughs> hopefully it's good. But I think it sounds good, and it's a good conversation. It's very interesting. Beck has a lot of experience working in the music industry, so if anyone out there wants some to hear some good stories, they're coming at you. Um, but yeah, and the other thing that I wanted to say real quick um, again is that we've got some shirts online. If people are interested in buying them and helping us out, um, they're fifteen dollars, and they're at obliviousmaximus.bigcartel.com Otherwise, go to our Facebook and to our Instagram and to our Twitter. Just look up Oblivious Maximus Podcast and you'll find it. Um, And follow us on those things for updates and to fucking tell me whether you like things or not. It's cool hearing back from people. Um, But yeah, I won't talk too much more. Here is Oblivious Maximus Number 18 with Beck Riato from Death Proof. Brutal! Thank you for doing the podcast, Beck.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. Um, Okay, so all of them start with talking about how you primarily first got into music. So how did you get into music? (laughs) Oh
1: God, I've been thinking about this one because I knew you were going to ask about (laughs) it. Um, Well, I don't remember a specific point, to be honest, but I grew up out in Broken Hill in the middle of nowhere, Mm -hmm. Um, so there wasn't a lot of... We didn't even get Triple J until I was in high school, so there wasn't right. a lot of music around apart from commercial music. So I guess I was like, just listening to the radio and didn't real. I didn't really realize that I was missing out on anything until um, Triple J came around. Yeah. Um, I used to go to the record, like the local rec, the one local record store in Broken Hill. Yeah. Um, and just kind of buy random CDs based on the cover and yep. hope that it would be something that and I like. what were the
0: first ones that you got?
1: So, I don't know. Well, actually, the first CD I bought, I do remember, was Green Day, and that was because I saw an ad on TV that was like, it played little snippets of the songs off of Dookie. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and it said at the end, it was like, get it or get stuffed. <laughs> And so I was you like, knew you had to get it. Yeah, and I was like, all those songs sound good, so I went to actually got that one from Big W. I went to the C D section in Big W and bought that. <laughs> um, and then I can remember like a pivotal moment though where I went into the the local C D shop and bought three singles. Hmm. I bought Aqua's Barbie Girl. Great. Um The Verves Bittersweet Symphony. Okay. And corn's good, God. Fuck well, yeah! <laughs> and I took them all home, and I spent a lot of time with each one, and yeah. I spent more time, I think, with corn. Um, so that kind of <laughs> won, and then from that point on, I sort of went down the heavy music
0: yeah.
1: route, I guess. I still, I still li- liked. I, it was kind of like I ordered them corn. Corn and then The Verve and then Barbie Girl. Barbie girl well, I got over Barbie Girl really quickly, <laughs> but anyway, I kind of liked the fact that my mum was a little bit um, put off by the fact I was listening to Corn. It's, it's yeah. that song that just screams "Won't you get the fuck out of my face?" Yeah, over and over again. Um, and I thought that that was pretty awesome to play at high volume in my bedroom.
0: I definitely had the same thing with Corn. They were like my favourite band when I was in school and. Basically, the entire reason I reckon why I liked him so much was 100% because whenever I listened to him, mum was like, why what do you, are you have doing? to listen to music with swearing in it? There's yeah. so much other music. <laughs> and I'm like,
1: because it all fucking sucks compared to this. Can you hear this guy? Yeah, totally. I used to do it um, after I'd had a fight with my mum yeah. as, as well. Like, I'm
0: sure I did that Yeah,
1: just go into my room and shut the door and then put it up really loud just to try and freak her out. I'm not sure if she actually cared as much as I hoped she did you know? <laughs> no, <it> probably, didn't. <laughs> probably didn't but anyway so yeah.
0: in broken hill at the time you were living there was there much um like at school and stuff was there much like uh no one was oh, into music okay that's yeah that's what i was going no for. so one. it was just dead like that there? yeah
1: it just wasn't a thing like yeah. you know it was like people would listen to the radio um it was just, it was really strange. There was, there was some older kids that kind of, uh, I guess when I was in early high school, there was some older kids that were into music, but I wasn't friends with them. Um, and I guess I kind of just did it at home on my, my brother was into music. So yeah. we used to, um, we used to nerd out on stuff together, but mm-hmm. none of my friends really were super into music. Yeah. It was really weird actually. Um, but yeah, yeah, not. Yeah. Not did I cut support? you off? I no, totally no, cut you no, off. Not, not much
0: support in Broken Hill for you though. Yeah, though. there wasn't. Um so when did you decide that you needed to leave Broken Hill?
1: Oh I was never really uh it was never an option to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm always quite thankful to my mum and dad for talking about me graduating from high school as though like you're going to graduate and then you're going to go to uni. Like, no, you're like th- you then have
0: then to leave. <laughs> then you're gonna,
1: When when you go away yeah, from here, yeah, right. like, when you are free from this place, you know. Yeah. So, they always spoke in a way that, like, indicated that I was always going to go and I was kind of excited by that prospect. Yeah. So, I didn't really make a decision on my own. It was just always... There's, no, there's like, no opportunity there whatsoever. Do you like you, folks still live there? My dad still lives there. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you get into mining, like... All the guys that stay there get into mining. All the girls have babies. Yeah. It's <laughs> okay. pretty much <laughs> how it happens. Or else you get out of there. So, yeah, yeah that's kind of uh, what I did as, as soon as I possibly could. Yeah. But we had to go to, um, you know, as far as music goes, we had to go to Adelaide if we wanted to see a show. And that was five hours drive. Yeah, so brutal. my dad, luckily... I I need to thank him again for this, but he used to drive (laughs) my brother and I to Adelaide and and our friends um, overnight, park, he'd like go to the entertainment center, let us go see offspring or something and then (laughs) sleep in the car while we were doing it. And then we'd jump back in the car, drive again through the night and have to go to school the next day. That was always the rule. It was like, yes, you can go and see Slipknot, but you have to go to school the (laughs) next day. Like,
0: so there's rules about that. Pretty good
1: that he was like yeah, a, that. He like was, was an ex truck driver who enjoyed driving like long, long distances. yeah, at night time, yeah, stuff, at yeah. night time as yeah. well, having quick kips in the car.
0: One time, um, I can't remember when it was, but me and my si- me and my little sister both. I mean, I still do love Queens of Stone Age. Yeah, and it was like one of the first times I went to Sydney for a show where. I didn't go on like a Murray's bus by myself. (laughs) Like I was like, oh, I really want to go to this thing. And Ellie, my sister wanted to go too. And Mum was like, well, she can't go because she's two years younger than you. So she's definitely not going on a bus and staying in a hostel by herself. So fine. We'll drive up. And I was like, what? (laughs) Are you going to come to the show? And she was like, no, I'm not coming. (laughs) The thing, I'll drop you there. And then we'll drive straight back to Canberra afterwards. And I was like, that's cool. Okay. Yeah, cool. And then I remember we got about like halfway back to camp from Sydney, which is only a three-hour drive. Mm. So at like midnight, I guess, so it was like one o'clock in the morning. Mum was like, "I can't do this anymore," and we stayed at like some shitty motel in Goulburn overnight so Mum could rest because she couldn't get. You that were so extra close. Hour. I know, but <laughs> she just—I don't know—she couldn't do it. But I just remember it being like that was in my head last at the time. time. I was like the coolest thing that Mum like drove us up there just because Ellie wanted to go yeah. as well, like.
1: Yeah. I love that they weren't concerned about you going up on a no, bus and staying in a hostel no, on your couldn't,
0: own. Couldn't care less about me. <laughs> How old
1: were you when that happened?
0: Uh, I, I don't know. I, I would have been under 18, but I mean, I'm fairly large, whereas my <laughs> rather petite blonde sister was two years younger than yeah, me. Yeah, like, Mum was just like, ah, oh, rock gig. No way. Yeah, right. Yeah. God.
1: I still think that's funny that they're just fine for you to just go stay in a hostel. Well, you know, on your own. No one's
0: gonna mess with me anymore.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, that's so tough.
0: After I, after I grew past my short, fat stage <laughs> in like year seven. Yeah. Um. So when did you move to Melbourne?
1: Um. I moved to Melbourne when I was seventeen mm-hmm. to go to uni. Yep. Um, and I lived in. The Student Village Which mm-hmm. is in Maribyrnong Near High Point Okay um, It's a It's Well at the time I don't think anyone really lives there anymore But at the time It was 700 Kids f- Not from Melbourne Who had moved to Melbourne
0: To go to uni To go to uni So yeah.
1: as you can imagine It was a lot of Like teenage bogans Yeah <laughs> um, Just running riot Like be it first time out of home Like yeah. on our own I ate, like, I would spend my weekly budget on beer and uh, two-minute noodles were the only things that I really ate or, yeah. or jam sandwiches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and that was absolute chaos. And that's sort of, I guess, when I started meeting people that were more into music. And, yeah. What did you study at uni? Uh, music business. Okay. It was a Bachelor of Business in the music industry. So. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> kind of so in hindsight, rather irrelevant, I think. But yeah. <laughs> but at the time, it was just like I had to go, like I was expected to go to uni, so I'll just go do something fun.
0: Yeah. Hmm. So did you start meeting people because of that, or was it because of just going to the shows and stuff? Uh, like, was that something that just moved Yeah, funnily
1: enough, I didn't really hang out with the people from my course. They all had really different tastes in music. Like, there was a lot yeah. of people that were just into stuff that i had no interest in so yeah. well
0: i don't i never really hung out with anyone for yeah, uni, yeah. like i know a lot of people have made a lot of great friends there and stuff but i think that i don't know maybe that's kind of past now as well because i feel a lot of people go to uni a little bit later in life now too yeah yeah like i know for sure when i started going to uni not that it was that much later than you but like I was like, oh, I've already got friends. Mm. I don't need to make friends. Anymore. I'll just go do the work and then yeah, leave. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Because I didn't have friends. I started... <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I had the people that I lived with... You got all those tuna noodles sh- and beer. village, yeah. yeah. But um, the, the people didn't really hang out so much with the people in my course. And funnily enough, none of them work in music now. There's yeah. there's two. There's one guy, Rob, who works at iTunes now, mm-hmm. and Dan Watt, who works over at Beat Magazine now and um, does Beat TV. But out of the whole course, nobody else is involved yeah. with music, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty weird.
0: I mean, I don't... Uh, I'm not... I don't feel like as someone who plays music, obviously I don't have that much else to do with the music industry as such, but like I've never really seen the purpose of like going to school to do that. No. And when I I did, like I went to do, when I finished school, because as I've said on this a lot in the past, that like my plan as soon as I finished school was like, I never have to do anything again because I'm going to play death metal forever. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do. I have long hair. I have two kick drums on my drum kit. (laughs) I live with my mum and she's the best and, and now I'm just gonna play death metal for the rest of my life
1: amazing. and then within
0: like I don't know I maybe like two weeks I was like oh shit I can't do this, this isn't a for job. the rest of my life <laughs> um, like I can't work at a servo and you know play drums forever
1: forever yeah um, it's a shame isn't it
0: yeah and then like the first thing I thought to do was like oh I could do sound engineering I know how to record I've been on EPs and things yeah. and then within like six months of doing that I was like this is fucking shit I'm never gonna <laughs> use this what am I learning here like I'm you didn't was like, enjoy it or? no I hated it and there was a class that was like the first assignment for the class was drawing a diagram of how to roll up leads properly oh wow and I was like fucking kill me somebody this is the worst shit in the world but then and a similar thing like i would argue that lots of people that i that were there doing that then Mm. definitely aren't sound engineers yeah definitely aren't and like we had classes that crossed over with the music business people and i would say none of them like use that to work in the music industry i mean the
1: one i did was it was a bachelor of business so i had to do accounting and economics and mm -hmm. Statistics and you know, all these different, you know, core subjects that you have to do to complete a business degree. And I think that maybe somehow they've helped um, in a way. Um, All the electives, though, all the music industry electives were all kind of useless, and we've since kind of We've since found out that perhaps one of our lecturers was a fraud. Oh, God. <laughs> Which I was excited how, about. How was that? <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, he lied and said that he'd, you know, he lied on his resume and, like, had said that he'd taught at all these music <laughs> faculties around the world right. and that it wasn't true. Um, so, he was
0: just making it up as so he was going Yeah. Along.
1: <laughs> so, I was excited when I found that out recently because I thought I might be able to sue the uni for all my course fees back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or at least the classes he had. Yeah. yeah,
1: but it turns out I can't do that, no, so that sucks. yeah. But that's yeah. funny.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. That that's always been like I don't know. Like I, I think there's there's a point for like getting understanding from people, like developing like l- you can learn from people, ah, obviously, yeah. but I don't think maybe not some of them aren't the best people to be in it. Like I'm sure some people who do teach classes at those in those courses are like really knowledgeable about what they're talking about that the the experience i had was like burnout fucking like dudes that were in cover bands yeah just they had a teaching degree yeah and like they loved gigging yeah and like so that's what they were doing like this is how you fucking you know put together an invoice
1: (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh oh my god
0: (laughs) like it's why is some why are we paying thousands of dollars to for this this? yeah yeah so
1: yeah I'm glad I did it just yeah. you know oh, that, no I mean it's, it's good it's... to have a degree but I don't think as far as me working in the music industry it had much of an effect yeah
0: it just was the starting off point maybe yeah yeah um, all right so when you were doing that and what were like the shows you were going to and what were you listening to when you were first in Melbourne in that? You know, noodles and beer <laughs> environment. Because I'm sure that was reflecting quite this well.
1: Is, this is a podcast, so I have to be honest. Yes. Eh? <laughs> um. Honestly, I was going to Goo every week mm-hmm. um, and I would see whatever band... So, does it, Yeah, for those that don't know, Goo's the same as Bang or Hot Damn or, you yep. know, it's one of those club weekly club nights and they would have bands in the upstairs <coughs> room. So I would watch everything from like a... Um, like blood Duster to uh, Twenty Eight Days, Perfect. there pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then I was kind of I was listening to stacks of new metal around that time because it was around the year two thousand. Yeah, so it was hitting. Yeah, theme. so I was a huge Deftones fan, and I used to love it when I'd go to Goo and they would play a Deftones song, and I'd just lose my shit. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so I was going to see bands like. Um like the butterfly effect and stuff oh, like that. Good. Like yeah. <laughs> the close yeah. too. <laughs> the close were they called the butterfly effect back then? I, I can't even remember, but that kind of thing. I yeah They had um, ads
0: on TV at one point too. Did they? Yeah. I, I I couldn't tell you what it was, but I remember it. Hmm.
1: Yeah, so kind of um again I was just going kind of either on my own or just with like one other friend. I was yeah. definitely not part of any sort of music scene back okay. then yeah. um, aside from the fact that you know there was a group of people that were always going to goo and yeah. a lot of people I know now and are friends with now mm-hmm. I used to be intimidated by when I used to go to goo <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> I used to think that like, because they were a bit older than me oh can, sure okay? yeah yeah totally fine it's beautiful We um, have a dog here now. We have, a, we have a dog who can smell some vegan bacon bits in my <laughs> bag. <laughs> um, yeah, so, again, not a huge... Wasn't going to a huge amount of live shows yeah. um, when I was in uni either. Just going uh-huh. to club nights and hanging around with other new metal nerds. <laughs> I had dreadlocks. What? Oh,
0: I did know that. Did you know that? Yeah, that? yeah, I think you showed me a picture, mate. Really? Yeah.
1: That's sick, <laughs> you're one of the only people that's seen a photo of that then. Yeah, had dreadlocks. Um, yeah.
0: That was a good time for you, clearly.
1: <laughs> yeah, he used to um, big baggy dickies shorts <laughs> and skate belts and
0: Etnies. Perfect. <laughs> um, so when, when did that, like... So when you sort of finished uni, was that when things, like decisions, had to be made from you? Or was it like...
1: I just ran away to Ireland.
0: Wow, okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I just was like, okay, uni's finished. Um, I got to go do a, I guess, the the whole concept of a gap year (laughs) thing was still a thing back then. Um, So I took that opportunity and ran with it and Uh I just picked um, Ireland because I thought that the boys there were good looking.
0: Okay, perfect.
1: (laughs) But I got that wrong. (laughs) turns out out I was was misled. (laughs) <laughs> by the Boondock Saints, which I think the actors in the Boondock Saints aren't even no, really American. Irish, dudes. Yeah. <laughs> I know they're in Boston. Perfect, yeah. <laughs> so but you should have yeah. gone to Boston. Yeah, I should have gone to Boston. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> anyway, so I went to um, I went to Ireland and lived there for a year and then I came back and moved to Sydney. Okay. And got a job at EMI then. Right.
0: And was that like was that the plan when, you know, after the gap year was the plan to Inherently, then start working in the music industry yeah. with your business. I actually literary.
1: had it. I had an. I actually had um, a couple of music industry jobs when I was at uni. So mm-hmm. I was volunteering, like I would intern at Rubber Records in the city.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, working with a whole bunch of bands that I didn't wasn't they weren't really my jam, but I learned heaps. You know, like sure. I learned, I learned um, how to do public, how to write a bio, and how to. Yeah. Um, service media and I, you know, a girl that worked there, Emma would take me out to meetings with me and stuff. And I'd just sit there and she would present to, you know, beat or whatever. And I got to learn what to do through her. Um, so that was good, but that was just, um, sometimes if she'd go away, they'd sling me some extra, they'd sling me some money for covering for her, but that was mainly like a long internship and I would just do one day a week. And that was really cool, really cool opportunity. Like for the first thing um, and then I got a job at Sony, mm-hmm. which was um, the title was retail merchandising, and okay. it involved driving around Melbourne, going to all of the big Ws, Kmart's, and Targets, mm-hmm. and making sure that they had that we had Sony stock. Profiled at the front of all the, um, okay. well, there was enough stock out on the shelves and that kind of stuff. The job actually involved me like signing into these stores and then going out the back and opening boxes full of Delta Goodrum CDs and then <laughs> and then making sh- and then literally pulling <coughs> other c- record companies' stuff off the shelf. And replacing it with, Sony really? like, Sony... Yeah, it was evil. Like, we're thinking so back weird. on it now. We were so competitive about it, too. And in, around Christmas time, you'd do it in pairs. So you got to, like, basically give one of your mates a job to do it with you. Yeah. And it was just through, the like, a couple of weeks leading up to Christmas. We used to drive around to all of the stores all around Melbourne, mm-hmm. right out to Geelong and, like... Yeah, wow. Yeah. And um, we would... <laughs> Wait, we'd sit out because Warner used to put on reps around that time as well, and like so and Universal, like the yeah, big, sure. the big record companies would put on reps around that time. Um, and we used to sit out the front of Big W and wait for the Warner reps to come out after they'd just done their profiling. And then we'd like run in there and rip all, their stuff, all. Yeah, rip all their stuff off the wall and put this Delta Gudrum CD. It was like Delta Goodrum and Good Charlotte and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that was a cool job because I was allowed to do that in between... Um, uni hours right, so I'd okay. literally go to uni for a couple hours and then I'd go and do that for a couple of hours and then come back to uni for a couple of hours and that was really cool yeah so I guess I had like two music industry things on my CV yeah um, by the time I got to Sydney yeah um, and, and your then, gap of
0: just totally being misled by the country of Ireland.
1: Yeah, I worked in a surf shop. I tried. I, I, I was a bit deluded and kind of thought that I'd be able to get music industry work in Ireland, but that wasn't going to happen. happen. Yep. Um, and so I just worked in a surf shop and I loved it. It was actually my, it was like one of the best jobs I've exactly. ever had. But yeah.
0: And so then you came back, started working for AMI. Yeah. And what in what capacity were you? Working um,
1: at? My first job at EMI was a marketing coordinator, w- marketing and licensing coordinator. So okay. I used to actually um, just send off contracts, like licensing contracts, and then yeah. and then wait for them to be sent back to me, and then file them in. A filing cabinet that was oh that was um, I also had to book TV commercials for the marketing department That it was a really strange job get get coffees like just yeah. just generally try and just generally keep the whole department um, running but also there wasn't that much to do so yeah. it, you know it was really it was a very easy job um, and then the head of promotions the promotions department ov- obviously saw that I had quite a confident personality that sure, probably yes. would translate well into the promotions department. And mm-hmm. um, and obviously that's where I always kind of wanted to be because that was where you got all the invitations to the events yes. that had free drinks and, <laughs> and you got to yep. hang out with the bands and meet all the cool people. So yep. um, as soon as she suggested that I um, that I try and come over into the promotions department at some point, as soon as there wasn't a job in there, um, I was like, yes, all right, cool. So I moved into promotions coordinator um, sort of uh, six months after starting work there or something.
0: That's cool. So, And so did that then like sort of set you off in terms of like the understanding that you actually would like develop for your career path then was like, was that where that came from?
1: Oh yeah, that was, that was just... I mean, I don't. I don't think. I never thought too far ahead, and I still don't. Like yeah. I still never think too far ahead, um, as as far as my career goes. I don't plan things out that yeah. far. But um, but it was fun, and it was exciting, and yeah. so I was happy. And I worked sure. really, really hard. We all worked really, really hard at EMI, but we also played really, really <laughs> hard. <laughs> As well um, <coughs> as a bit of a you know a stress relief thing I guess, but mm-hmm. um, but it was a lot of fun. And at that point, it was kind of at that point in the music industry where there still was some money, Right. <laughs> you know. They still they <laughs> were still the yeah, <laughs> they were still doing the occasional boat cruise with ah. an artist on t- Sydney <laughs> Harbour or something. So it was really fun because we got to do some do some cool stuff. That kind of thing doesn't happen at all anymore, yeah. even with the majors.
0: You can't um, go out swooning on bad cruises. Anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. They're kind
1: of like, a mm, uh, few people can come to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but you only get one drink each. That's it. <laughs> yeah.
0: No open bar.
1: Um,
0: so, how long did you end up working in that role then? Like, how long did uh, you do that? Three years. Yeah.
1: Three years, and the company went through a really bad um, a couple of redundancies. Okay. Um, where a lot of the company got made redundant, and it right. was really. It was a really tough time. Like and was that
0: when things were turning for music? Yeah. yeah. So that maybe all that boat cruise money could have been put into people's salaries.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and they were still blaming Napster and Kazar at that point. You know, Classic, it's kind of yeah. like, well, not we're sorry that you're losing your job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Not the boat cruises. No. It's just Kazaa. we got to keep them. We need to keep those boat cruises. Yeah. But it just meant that you know everyone, and it still happens to this day. Anyone who survives a redundancy ends up with more work uh, for the same pay, and um, we were already kind of (coughs) work working a lot. So I got the opportunity then to um, one of my friends, Marie, who got made redundant, started working at Shock Records Mm -hmm. in Sydney, and she needed (coughs) someone over there to help her out, and so she kind of said hey there's this job going at shock like you yeah. should you should do it you get a car oh. i was like oh sweet <laughs> <Car>. <laughs> and so i uh had a meeting and it was a really quick thing i wasn't happy at emi at that point and um and i ended up getting this job with a car at shock which Perfect. was awesome yeah and um and I didn't know the car was going to be a manual, I didn't know how to drive a manual (laughs) at that stage and one of the first jobs I got allocated was to drive Mike Patton around
0: and I was like
1: such a huge fan of Mike Patton that I was absolutely losing it. I was so nervous, I thought that I was going to kill him. Um, and I in Sydney of all places I know so right Terrible traffic. I think I got three days I-, I think I had to do the promo with him on Thursday and I got the car on Monday and it was my first week so I had three days to learn how to drive a manual <laughs> so that it wasn't the most embarrassing yeah. thing or dangerous thing in the world um, with one of you know one Your of idols. my idols <laughs> yeah. sitting in the passenger seat yeah, so that was that was a time I got through it. Yeah, good. yeah. I didn't kill. I was. I was. Terrified you didn't kill being, Mike Patton. He's yeah, was <laughs> still <laughs> making music. I was terrified of being that guy. That's <laughs> like, <you laughs> know, that guy that caused the death of Mike yeah, Patton. Imagine classic. that. Imagine imagine being tarnished oh for the rest of your life. you <laughs> and <even> that guy. <laughs>
0: um. So what? Like, what was the kind of what were the kind of things that you ended up doing there, other than obviously driving Mike
1: Patton <laughs> around?
0: What did that role?
1: Um. So the role I was. What was I? The New South White. Oh God, I can't even remember what my job <laughs> title was there because we it was really um, quite loose at Shock. We got to make up our job titles. Yeah, very good. <laughs> we got to, yeah. It was quite flexible. Yeah. Um, I looked after regional radio, um, and TV. Yeah, I think. right. So it basically just involved me ringing around to regional radios, going, "Hey, have you heard the new um, Kiss Chasey song?" Yeah. Do you want to play it? <laughs> We're coming down there because <laughs> I had a different accent then. Yeah. We're coming down there uh, next week. Do you mind if we pop in for a boardroom performance? So I basically just had to um, to try and convince radio to play the songs that I wanted them to play. Yeah. Um, and then go and visit the stations with the artists and get them to do interviews and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. Phoneers. Um, so yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty, it. and it was so fun. so how
0: long did you stay in Sydney then?
1: Mm, seven years.
0: Wow, a big stint. Seven
1: years, yeah. So I did that role for a little bit, and then i got um, I got bumped up and uh, started taking care of like Triple J and Channel V and all right. the, like the bigger. After you earned media. your yeah. In the regional <laughs> <radio station>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was really cool. The rest of the promotions department for Shock was all down in Melbourne, so I was the only person up in Sydney. Um, sort of repping that area which was I guess in their eyes um, it was a pretty important job because that's where the big media is in Sydney so I was going in to visit Richard Kingsmill every week oh very good um, so and looking after all the bands that came through and Shock has a lot well had at that time had a lot of bands touring yeah it was just you know every day there would be somebody else who needed to get picked up from the airport and taken to an interview you know sure so um it was good fun though yeah i met heaps of heaps of cool people and a lot of bands that i didn't even i wasn't even into at the time but then i am now and then looking back i'm like oh wow Got to do promo with uh, Billy Bragg. Oh, I didn't even know he was cool then. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So
0: so did that? Did working there and being exposed to that stuff then eventually like did that end up reflecting on your musical tastes at all? Or was oh, it, totally. Okay.
1: It's kind of a you have to like the Bronx if you work at Shock.
0: Okay. It was one of
1: those <laughs> things where I'd never heard of the Bronx before I started there. Yeah. And it became. Um, it became. They became my favorite band really quickly because yeah. it was just ingrained in the company that if you work there, you have to love the Bronx, and sure. <laughs> <laughs> it was really strange, but it, it kind of worked. And yeah. and I still I still love going to see the Bronx, but um, I just got exposed to so much more music than than ever before. Because I mean, EMI and Sony, and you know, being in Broken Hill, I was only li- I was listening to rubbish. Pretty yeah, much. yeah, just mainstream then, stuff yeah and shock just had everything you know they just they they had all genres covered which was kind of annoying from a publicity perspective because yeah. I had to wrap <laughs> couldn't my aim so
0: yeah long I long had long to long. wrap
1: my head around things really quickly yeah um, but I discovered so many so many bands that I just never would have heard of um, yeah. had I not worked there so that was yeah, awesome right. and then you know coming down here, I would always go to gigs with. My co-workers, who I didn't really know that well, because I was based in Sydney and they were in Melbourne, but I'd come down for meetings and then go out to shows. That way, that's Mm -hmm. where I became very good friends with M, who I now run the business with, and and her friends, and sort of started going to like all the shows that she was going to, all the Poison City shows and stuff. And I was like, oh, this is awesome! This is what I like. Yeah, I'm happy here.
0: So yeah. was she doing a relatively similar thing to what you were doing, yeah. but in Melbourne?
1: Yeah, yeah. Em and I started talking uh, because of the Mike Patton thing. She was really nervous about driving Mike Patton <laughs> as well, and we bonded over. Uh, you know, we sent each other a couple of emails, even though I'd never met her. She was just a name on my email, and I was just like, oh, I'm really nervous about this. And she's like, yeah, me too. And, <laughs> um, and so yeah, we. She was doing. Um, press. So she was looking after street press and um, okay. community radio down in Melbourne and um, it was a similar job, but a little bit different. Um, yeah. and and it turns out that we had the same music taste pretty much. Pretty much bang on the same music taste, except I leaned a little bit more towards metal and angry, and sure. she leaned a little bit more towards and happy, happy uh, pop So you pop balance punk.
0: one another out very yeah,
1: well. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, we just keep swapping. Like we sure. just, we, since You have the no different NHL.
0: angles of teenage <laughs> angst covered. Yeah, like. yeah. But we
1: both love Linkin Park. So
0: <laughs> 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 Common ground, at least.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so what ended up causing you to move down here?
1: Um, oh, well, we started Death Proof... Um, we started death proof whilst I was still living in Melbourne. I mean, in Sydney. Yeah. Um, so shock went downhill again, like EMI did before with a lot of redundancies and um, too many cruises. Just, just, yeah.
0: <laughs> that old thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, we went into receivership. So it was yep. just like, it was a pretty grim time. We got bought out by a bigger company and um, things weren't, things were a bit disheartening at that stage. So him and I kind of knew that we'd. Um, and Stu Harvey had left, and it was almost like when Stu Harvey left Shock, it was like, well, there's no point to even be here anymore. Like, we're all it out. Was a, yeah, it was like if he's gone, he then was your beacon of hope. Yeah. <laughs> so um, after Stu left, um, Emma and I were like, well, we were getting frustrated with um, what I was saying before—the amount of different releases that we had in different genres and stuff, and and how it, there was this mentality of like, you know, just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks, you know. Right. There was never any sort of dedicated love given to any particular release because they, no one ever really knew what was going to end up selling and making money. It was kind of like, or, or what media were going to be interested in. Um, and we would see albums that would come in and get no love and mm-hmm. go and and we'd be like, oh, I wish that we just had more time to focus on these ones that yeah. we really love. So we, um, at some point, decided that we were going to start our own PR company and branch off, and I guess our skills at that point complemented each other with me having experience in radio and TV and her having experience with press. Sure. Um, And we were kind of like, oh, well, what have we got to lose? Like, you know, we're not really happy here anyway. We'll just buy some computers and see what happens. Yeah, sure. So we... um, we did that, and, the you know, we got... I think the, the first job we got was Heroes for Hire through Kelly. Sure. <laughs> um, and then the second job we got was a huge Frontier Stadium tour for Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, wow. And um, so we basically were you still just, living in Sydney then? Yeah, I was still okay. living in Sydney, which kind of worked well because I could just go in and take care of the meetings in Sydney and then sure. could take care of the meetings in Melbourne, but... Mm-hmm. Eventually, I just wanted to be down here for... I would visit a lot. And I started dating a guy in Melbourne, and I was coming down more and more. I was kind of living between the two cities. Right. um, Two weeks down here and two weeks up there. And um, eventually, I just um, realized that I needed to be down here because this is where my people were. Like, I just kind of stayed (laughs) at... I mean, yeah. (coughs) Sydney was... Sydney's bad for music. Yeah. It's... I didn't really during that time like I only really had one friend that was into going to gigs as well and yeah he worked at JB Hi-Fi so he'd kind of find out what cool shows were on and go all right we're going to this warehouse show and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this Marrickville warehouse show or whatever um, but apart from that and that was occasional and apart from that I didn't really go out much yeah and then down here it was just like oh my god there's Shows five bands <laughs> on one night which one are we going to go see Yeah. Um so yeah I just it was just a natural progression. I think I always kind of wanted to be back here anyway. Yeah. Um so I don't hate Sydney, you know. Pe- yeah. People are people are often like I oh, mean, Sydney sucks, yeah. you know, Melbourne and I'm like, well nah, Sydney's better in some ways and Melbourne's better in other ways. And for me, Melbourne's it's the one that's better. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah.
0: Um, so like when, when did, when did you see the business really like, I guess like take off in terms of like, Oh, this is like, this is really happening now. Like this is a real, Hmm. this is a real thing that we're doing here. (laughs) It's not just like the thing we're trying to do after the jobs we used to have.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Um, I guess when we got well, getting an office was kind of a big yeah. step, you know. <laughs> yeah. We had to go, we had to go to our place of business. Yeah, which sure. Was, which and how, was nice.
0: how so? So how long away was that from when you started?
1: Ah, uh, I don't know. Um, maybe a year.
0: <clears throat> okay. And so maybe the year before that year. was it just like.
1: M worked from her house and I worked from my house and then when I moved down to Melbourne, I worked from M's house. Yeah. And Anastasia started working with us and she worked from M's house as well so we all worked from Em's house pretty much um, for the first part of Death Proof and then then we eventually got an office but that and then just getting you know every time we get to work with a band that we genuinely like fangirl out over sure we are just like oh, I can't believe this is a job. <laughs> oh, you yeah. feel really smug because you get to, you get to talk about your favorite band, yeah, um, and get paid a small amount of money for it.
0: <laughs> a livable wage. Yeah,
1: sort of, almost <laughs> a, livable, a livable wage if you're cool with wearing secondhand clothes. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: that's sick though. And so, where like, what has been like, what are, what were like you know, touch points for you that are like really important to, you know, the work that you've done with Death Proof then?
1: Oh, wow. Um, working. It's really satisfying working with little bands that have no following and then seeing that they're, they're huge Sparks all of are, a sudden. Yeah. yeah. Like we've been involved in a lot of bands that, oh, we might not be involved with, now, but we were mm-hmm. when they were first starting out. Smith Street Band is an obvious example. Like, yeah. um, that was, we started working with them after seeing them. I think Em had seen them randomly somewhere, and we um, just, loved it so much that we were like we'll just work with you for free <laughs> like, sure. yes. yeah. um, and then seeing those guys absolutely smashing it smashing it now is so cool yeah um, and we've done that with a few different bands clowns and um, recently Eka Vandal I suppose she was she'd never even played a show before she played our Christmas party last yeah, wow. year and now Crazy. she's just been signed to due process so that's that's awesome yeah um, oh heaps of them you know like there's so many bands that we kind of get involved with on the ground level and then they go off and do big things and you yeah. kind of, I don't know how much influence we actually have on 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 a lot of them cuz it's so hard it to though. gauge yeah but you um but I think in certain examples we've had a huge huge impact so that's cool and then also getting to work with huge artists like Marilyn Manson yeah. or like Or doing the Soundwave tour a a couple of years ago, we Hmm. did the on-ground PR for the whole tour, and it was the Metallica year. So like getting to fucking Metallica deal with you know (laughs) with Metallica's management is a fun time, you know, especially when you're sitting at your kitchen table in your pajamas, like emailing Metallica. (laughs) That's a that's a pretty fun time. So and then Marilyn Manson, like you know, artists of that stature, is just you know those experiences and especially doing you know face-to-face on ground with those Mm. types of people it's just something that I'll never forget you know it's (laughs) crazy it's personally quite fulfilling and um well when you you know when you go to gigs and and there's just a packed room full of people that are loving it and you know that you had some part in that is yeah. is really cool. So, That's great. Yeah.
0: And so where like where do you see things going for the company? Like what's what's the plan that you and M have for everything with it?
1: Yeah, right. Well it sort of changes, I guess. Um we have just started the Blurg blog. Yes. Very good. <laughs> which is which is a good time because I think it can get You know, things can get um, a bit repetitive and monotonous after after a while. We've been going for four years now. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess you you can... The processes are always pretty similar and media is kind of shrinking and things are getting harder. And so we kind of just thought, well, we're interested in heaps of you know, other things outside of music as well. Sure. Um, podcasts and TV and movies and yeah. the rest of the entertainment world. So we started Blurg, um, which is just basically an outlet for us to, like, write about the things that, well, Emily and Nathan do it, um, but they write about the things that they're into. And yeah. um, we also have a new media platform to put the, the music that we love on yeah, there as sure. well instead of having to you know try and convince somebody else to write something about the bands that we love we mm-hmm. can also do it ourselves and yeah have that's an audience so yeah that's sort of what we're putting all of our effort into at the moment yeah, cool. um has that been building well yeah it's been going really well like we're three months in now to mm-hmm. that um and it obviously had the initial burst of friends liking it sure. and looking at it and now we're sort of in that hard part where we're just trying to like push it, push over it out thing. further yeah. and further um, but it's, you know, we saw the graph and it looks like a skate ramp. Yeah. So <laughs> that's good. <laughs> We're like a skate a good ramp. is <laughs> <It's> good. Um, <laughs> and Nathan was going to Photoshop pictures of us all skating up <laughs> that ramp. So that's a good sign. Um, yeah. We just need to keep um, plodding along there. And that's, yeah, and that's keeping us, I guess, in the moments where we sort of get a bit. Um, uh, tired of the day-to-day stuff, you can just kind of flick over and do a bit of bl- blurg and then yeah. come back and do the rest of it. I mean, it. That's, so a good, keeping
0: that's a good progression for the business, though, already, that after four years, you've had to start looking to do more things. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, like, that it's not just it's for not interest. It's not that we right, have heaps like of
1: time. No. <laughs> no. It's just <laughs> we're doing. we're definitely doing blurg, like, we're definitely working longer hours to try and get this thing off the ground, but yeah. it is mentally... Stimulating, yeah, sure. Where you know, where you can get kind of because I guess like doing publicity is a hard job, it's a lot of rejection on a daily basis. You know, it's a lot of people telling you that something's not good enough, and like occasionally you get people going, I love this, and like I definitely want to review it or cover it. But a lot of the time, it's just like no, you know, you know, you're not spending any money, or we don't really, we're not really into this. Or, yeah, you right. Know, there's a lot of no's, and it can get a bit down. So, it's a good little refuge too. Um, sure. And it benefits, I think, um, you know, it benefits the bands that we're not promoting just the bands that we work with on it either yeah. we're sort of just promoting the stuff we like which is pretty yeah. awesome
0: well, I think that's good too and I, I mean I think that's what I noticed about it when you first started I was like oh this is just lots of cool stuff, stuff. like it's <laughs> not just music stuff it's yeah like I use everything. it
1: myself like I use it if I'm bored and I don't know what TV shows or new podcasts I want to listen to. Yeah. Um, I quite often just like go on our own <laughs> blog to see what stories are on there and what's happening. Um, because Nathan and M totally have their finger on the pulse when it comes to that stuff and yeah. spend a lot of time consuming entertainment. Um, yeah. and then I just consume whatever they've recommended. Second hand yeah. Sure. yeah. Um. So cool. yeah, we're just doing that.
0: That's awesome. So that's the the next thing for you yeah well right we just now. want
1: to get that off the ground and make sure that that's yeah. running we've got heaps of like oh we got asked to speak at RMIT
0: Fuck yeah. <laughs> so good Em on. and
1: I are presenting a lecture good. speaking of you know how yeah. relevant the music <laughs> music business courses yes, are we're very just going to go tell everyone that yep. um, and then what's it
0: on what are you speaking to we don't to? even know okay. yet
1: they're just like come and speak in front of 180 students and we're like oh, <laughs> okay yep. I guess
0: Eager like seventeen year old dudes who just realize they can't play death metal for
1: yeah <laughs> whenever m whenever M has to do a um a panel we always joke about her going all right, who likes money? Raise, <laughs> raise your hand if you like money. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All of you that have your hands up, just walk out the door now. This is, this is not for you. <laughs> you have There's
0: to. no more boat cruises. Yeah. The, the They're boat, over.
1: <laughs> boat cruises finished in 2005. You yeah. missed it. You missed, you missed the boat. Yeah. Oh.
0: Good one. Look at you. Yeah. Um, so that's it. Yeah. Sick. Well, is there anything you need to advertise to the, populace who listen to this
1: <laughs> no not really i mean go check out blurg it's blurg.com.au um, you and see if there's anything on there that you like mm-hmm. um and apart from that then just
0: i can do you just, homie
1: <laughs> <laughs> totally
0: sick well thank you for doing this podcast with me you're welcome
1: it's been fun awesome brutal okay bye